Greetings, gamers. I'm Ben Roth. And I'm Shukapow. And you're listening to episode 2-12 of Very Good Music, a VGM podcast. background right now is, contrary to popular belief, not by System of a Down. Uh, this is just called Zelda, and it was written by Joe Plyman of the band Rabbit Joint, and was released in 1998 on their self-titled album. And yeah, a lot of people in my generation have heard and know this, and it's super fun. At the beginning of our playlist, it's going to be associated with this video. You can find a uh, link to the past related sort of sketch video um, with this song in the background. And yeah, really, really, really fun stuff. And I decided to lead in with that because that's kind of the song that like gave me the idea for this whole episode since, you know, it's called Link, He Come to Town. You know, that's what it starts out with. So yeah. So what, what are we doing this time, Shu Kapow? Zelda Towns. Yeah. All the all the times and places when Link came to town. That's what we're doing. To save the Princess Zelda. To save yeah. Because Ganon took her away and now the children don't play. But they will when Link saves a day. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> oh and yeah. This was this is our um, sudden death runner up for patron pick for this season. And so yeah, this is a this is gonna be fun. I was glad that this one got picked because I think it's really cool. My original idea for this episode was to play like a village track from every single Zelda game, like mainline Zelda game, and just kind of go in chronological order. But then I thought, you know, that's not really what the vibe of our show has sort of evolved into. That is, we pick a topic, and then you and I each pick songs based on that topic, and we just kind of go and... Uh, listen, see what's going on. And you and I have talked a little bit. Uh, I think that we've probably both forgotten most of what the other is bringing. Um, I know at least one of the songs you're going to bring, and I think you probably know at least one of the songs I'm going to bring. Um, for my own playlist, I'm doing something a little bit differently. I have one sort of mini medley of three relatively short songs, but then I'm also giving up two of my slots to Shoot Pow uh, because I am going to be playing one of the longer songs in Zelda history, and uh, yeah, I just I can't wait. It's gonna be a really fun, really fun little episode. Uh, Shukapo, what do you think about this topic? It's yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I found a lot of good and pretty like varied stuff. Yeah, there are a lot of villages in Zelda history. Yes, actually. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure the game with the most villages is probably Spirit Tracks, actually. There are a lot of village songs in Spirit Tracks. Um, and I mean, we expanded this. It's not just, you know, such and such a village. There's also domains and towns and cities. And pretty much, I think what we decided is if um, uh, several 
families or several houses are there, several people live there, and they have at least one shop, <laughs> then we'll kind of, we'll consider it, you know, a part of what we're doing here when Link comes to town. Speaking of which, we are going to start out with the very first village theme in Zelda series history. There were no villages in The Legend of Zelda for the NES and Famicom, but there were several towns in the sequel, Zelda II The Adventure of Link. We are going to be playing the Famicom Disk System version because it featured the ability for multiple channels to play at the same time. And so this version is just a little bit fuller. If you listen to this and then you go and listen to the NES version of this same tune, it's going to be the same melody, it's going to be basically the same song, but you're going to hear some parts where um, some of the instruments drop out on the NES version, but not on this version. And this is the same song that plays in every town. We're going to talk a little bit about the towns in Zelda 2 when we come back. by Akito Nakatsuka for Zelda II The Adventure of Link and released for the Famicom Disk System in 1987. Nice. I was five years old. <laughs> and I had a lot of fun with this game growing up. I never beat it as a kid because it is really, really tough, especially Death Mountain um, is really hard in this game. But I did go back and beat it later on when I was in college. And yeah. It's fun. It, it was, it's, it's really unique in the Zelda series, and it's kind of... A lot of Nintendo games, their sequel was sort of a black sheep. Uh, Super Mario Bros. 2 is um, another example of that. And um, Donkey Kong Jr. was also kind of a departure from the very first Donkey Kong, so Nintendo's not afraid to try something new when they go with their, uh, with their second outing for a series, and Akito Nakatsuka is another example of that. Um, he took over for uh, Koji Kondo, who very famously performed or composed the first Zelda soundtrack, and then also took back over from Link to the Past and on through Majora's Mask, although did not compose the Game Boy Zelda songs, uh, only the consoles from Link to the Past and onward. Um, Akito Nakatsuka 
um, is also credited as... Well, we'll come back to that. Let's talk a little bit about the music. Shukapau, what do you think of this song? It was very good. Any particular part of it, like any part of the melody or the instruments, the retro instruments? No, it's just like all-around enjoyable, I guess. Yeah, it's it's cool because it's in 4-4, but there were also there were a lot of phrases that started like on the upbeat, and so the syncopation was a little bit off. There's a part right around the one-minute mark where the drums cut out and the bass cuts out, and it's just the two higher, um, higher uh, channels right before it goes back into the loop. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he was credited as uh, Tsuka-san, Akira Nakatsuka was. And um, since 2005, according to the wikis, he his focus has been shifted to directing and supervising the work of other composers. Some other games that you all might be aware of where he is credited for composition are Clue Clue Land, Excite Bike, Ice Climber, he was one of the composers on Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, along with Kenji Yamamoto and Yukio Kaneoka, um, two pretty big names. Um, he was one of the composers for NES Open Tournament Golf, did some sound arrangement on Pilot Wing 64, uh, was a sound coordinator on Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, really cool and not a remembered um, Game Boy Color game from 1999, and was one of the composers on the first Brain Age game. And yeah, ever since around that time, uh, that actually was his last credit as a composer. Most recently, from what I see here, he was one of the supervisors on Super Smash Bros. for Nintendo 3DS and Wii U in 2014. So, Akira Nakatsuka for Zelda 2: The Adventure of Link and the town theme. Shukabao, do you know what is how the towns in Zelda 2 connect with the rest of Zelda lore. Uh, no, not really. Well, let me tell you. Here's what some of the names of the towns in Zelda 2 are. Naburu, Darunia, Saria, Raru, Ah, <laughs> Are I you see. getting it now? Yeah. Ruto. <laughs> so the names of the towns in Zelda 2 eventually became the names of the sages in Ocarina of Time. And I always thought that was really cool. It's It, it has been commented on before. Um, I don't hear it commented on a whole lot, actually. And the towns definitely were a refuge from the rest of the world in Zelda 2. So that's my first track of the evening. What are you going to be leading with, Shukapau? <laughs> How about, let's do Clock Town Day 1 from The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Ah, this was one of my backups, but I made it a backup because I was pretty sure you were going to go with this one, because I know how much you love this soundtrack. Alright then, you said day one? Yeah.
Alright, that was Quark Town Day 1 from Majora's Mask, released for the N64 in 2000. Yep. Okay. Yeah, 2000. That's actually later than I would have expected it, but I guess Ocarina of Time was released in 98, 97? Well, we'll get to it in a second. And yeah, so yeah, that makes sense, since this was the direct sequel and used the same engine. Man, this is good. I still maintain that Majora's Mask, top to bottom, is Koji Kondo's best soundtrack. It's so good and so varied, and there's lots of really, really great stuff in it. Um, this was one of your early Zelda favorites, from like the first time you heard it. You really liked this track. What do you like about it? Um, I don't know. It's just... It's just like so upbeat, and I, I just like how it is. <laughs> if you were to try to describe describe this track to somebody, what are some words you would use? What are some instruments you would mention? Mm, I guess like that uh, that flute. Mm-hmm. The um the, that instrument like It's kind of a string sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the percussion stands out to me on this one. It's mm-hmm. what gives it that kind of bouncy feel. Uh, and we're going to come back to Clock Town at some point because I have another episode idea I want to do sometime about themes that evolve within their game. Uh, and this is one of the ones that came to mind. Actually, one of my tracks for later in the night also came to mind, although we're going to be talking. Basically, what we're going to be doing with my long track for the evening is what I would like to do for several different tracks from gaming history. Uh, games that not just have different versions across different titles, but actually evolve within their same title. Because what happens to Clock Town as the game progresses? Um, well, it gets more, like, dark and... Like, the town itself uh, gets more, you know... Um, scary? Yeah. Uh, scary beyond all reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the music gets a little bit more upbeat, a little more dissonance, I think. And the reason, of course, for all this is because a freaking terrifying moon is plummeting out of the sky toward you. And, yeah, that's Majora's Mask, people. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, man, this track is really cool. Uh, somebody in the Supermarcado Discord, I want to say it was Merrilink or Jared, um, dropped a cover or a remix of this song done with the instruments from Donkey Kong Country 2. It sounds surprisingly good. Uh, there were some folks who actually said it sounded better than the original, which I can I can hear that. Uh, the N64 sounds, um, sound is kind of divisive, kind of like the Game Boy Advance and DS sounds. Um, but I really like it, and of course, as we always say, the composition shines through no matter what. Um, I have heard orchestrated versions of this, and I actually think it takes a little bit away because it almost sounds like something you would hear a small town band like play on the corner. And I like the, the simplicity of that. We're going to stick with the N64 for my next choice of the evening. Uh, this one is also called Town, uh, kind of like my first one. Um, and it is, well, I actually alternatively saw it called Market. But this is the song that plays in Hyrule Castle Town from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I could have chosen a lot of different towns from this one because they're all really cool. I like the Goron City theme, although it's a little bit more, to me it's a little bit more ambient, it's kind of quirky, it doesn't stick with me as much. 
The Zora's Domain music is just gorgeous um, in this one, and it laid the groundwork for the future Zora's Domain themes, especially the ones in Twilight Princess and Breath of the Wild. And very, very, very nice. Um, and of course, there is the timeless Kakariko Village theme. I have not picked any iterations of Kakariko Village uh, to play tonight, because I have kind of an idea for something I'd like to do with it in the future, but... Uh, I do want to give it a shout out here because it's, you know, it's timeless. It's an amazing theme. And I'm pretty sure Shukapau may have at least one version of it on his list. So we'll see where that goes. But for now, let's go ahead and get into Town or Market from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. or Market from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, composed by Koji Kondo and released on the N64 in 1998. I love this song. It's so bouncy, and I think that's why I went with it. It's just it's really yeah. fun. It's the only one that's actually called Town. There is Kakariko Village, there's Kokiri Forest, there's Zora's Domain, there's Goron City. Um, but there, there's something about it I just I like. Um you and I were talking about the instruments in this one, and which do you think the the, the A part, the do 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 do, or the B part, do 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 do? Which part do you like best? Uh, hmm. I guess like the first part. It is really fun. I'm pretty sure that lead instrument is supposed to be something like a hammer dulcimer, and then the flute comes in, and like um uh. They, it's not, it's not harmony. A uh, unison. It's a, it goes, does unison on the same melody, and then the second part, I'm pretty sure, is a duet uh, with oboe and bassoon. Again, a little hard to tell with N64 instruments, but it's uh, whatever it is, it's fun, and it sounds like it could be like a medieval or Renaissance town, which is really, really cool and helps to sell the whole Zelda scenery. Um, we just saw a video recently by. Can't remember what. The, oh, Thomas Game Ducks um, about the composition of Ocarina of Time's music and how Koji Kondo actually he was looking for something kind of ambient 
but also something that would like bring life into the world and would be really memorable. And he went out for a walk and stumbled upon some samples in a record store that he went to a lot. And he ended up scooping up a lot of those samples and coming back. And so a lot of what you hear in this this game and in Majora's Mask are actually come from those samples that he got, like of ethnic music and things like that. So, um, yeah, this was really fun. And Valkyrie Forest, I, I mentioned just now. I didn't mention it a second ago when we were talking about the different domains and stuff before we came into this. But Kokiri Forest actually has the same wake-up sound at the beginning as Clocktown does in Majora's Mask. So Clocktown's kind of a cool callback to that. Um, helps to tie the two different games together. You've played Ocarina of Time now, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you played the 3D version. Yeah. And did you make it to the Hyrule Castle Town? Uh, yeah. Do you remember anything about it? Like any of the characters that are there? Uh, not really. One pair of characters that I always remember is this man and woman that are, like, dancing, and they're just, like, swiveling around each other, and they're also, like, swiveling around the fountain in the center of town, like, the whole time. There's also a little dog that you have to catch and, like, to take back to its its owner. Um, it's a fun little place. And then it's really desolate, and this music does not play in the future. Do you remember what's in the town in the future? Uh, no, I... I got oh, that's the right. volcano and then didn't play anymore. <laughs> so in the future, in Hyrule Town, Castle Town, is where you first... the first time in the series that you encounter the Redeads. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Walking through and then they shriek at you and you can't move and everything is horrifying and the future is terrible. <laughs> um, and insert dark joke here about how Zelda imitates real life. <laughs> Anywho, let's bring it back up. What are you going to be playing for your next piece today uh, on the show? Uh, I, say, I say we're going to bring it way up, because next we're going to be listening to Skyloft from <laughs> Super Smash Flash 2. Super Smash Flash 2? Yep. Interesting. Okay, so... I knew you were going to bring this. Didn't know you were going to be bringing this version, although you got to gotta rep Super Smash Flash 2. So, <laughs> very cool. Well, I'll be excited to hear where it goes from here, because you're playing the stuff I was kind of expecting first. So, well, all right. So, Skyloft, originally from what game? Uh, Skyward Sword. Yep. And here we go.
Alright, and that was Skyloft from Super Smash Bros. 2, released in 2007 for Flash. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, this arrangement was arranged by Garrett Williamson, and Skyward Sword was released in 2011 for the Wii and composed by Shiho Fuji, which actually I already had down and I did all the research and... Cool. That was like the only track I did all the research for. It was also composed you, by. You um, my time. <laughs> the game was also composed by uh, Hajime Wakai. Um, gosh. Uh, now I gotta find out. Um, but yeah, Shiho Fuji, actually, interestingly enough, this was her only contribution to the Skyward Sword soundtrack. And Shiho Fuji went on to do some other stuff that you may have heard of before. Um, actually, her first credits were on Wii Fit, Animal Crossing City Folk, and New Super Mario Bros. Wii, uh, where she did the Underwater BGM, the Desert BGM, Airship BGM, the Toad House, and the arrangement of the Invincible theme. Uh, but yeah, as I said, this was her only contribution to Skyward Sword, Skyloft. Um, she was one of the composers for Mario Kart 8, let me see. I think most specifically here. Oh, she did the Electrodrome. Very hmm. cool. And she did the arrangement of the Excite Bike theme. Um, Excite Bike. I don't know why I pronounced it that way. She was one of the composers on Splatoon. I don't know all the ones. Oh, she did, she wrote Calamari Incantation hmm. in Splatoon. Uh, she was one of the main composers on Super Mario Odyssey. Looks like she contributed a lot to that game. And yeah, so. Very, very cool stuff. She has been a Nintendo composer since 2007. And Skyward Sword was also composed by some Nintendo stalwarts here. We are looking at Hajime Wakai and Mahito Yokota, along with Shiho Fuji, as well as Takeshi Hama. But this is not the version from Skyward Sword, so I'm going to stop talking about that now. And Shukapau. Tell us about this song and how it appears in Smash Flash 2. Alright, well, um, in Smash Flash 2, this is the primary theme on the Hyrule Temple stage. Um, is the Temple stage anything like it is in the mainline Smash yeah, games? Yeah, it's pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. Which, that stage might as well be on Skyloft, because it's like floating in the sky, so it doesn't actually make sense for it to be a Zelda 2 temple. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah. Do you play on this stage much? Uh, yeah, some. It's really big. Yeah, it's, it is. It's one of my favorite stages. It actually is my favorite stage for multiplayer. Um, well, meaning more than two people. Uh, and as we've talked about on the show before, the Zelda 2 stage has a special place in my heart. But this was really cool, this arrangement. I really like the drums in it, and that lead, like, electric guitar almost style synth has a really nostalgic feel to it. Um, like a like rock nostalgia, not video game nostalgia. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. Um, do you know anything else that Garrett Williamson has uh, or worked on or arranged for Smash Flash 2? Um, hmm. I know offhand I'm kind of putting you on the spot. No, actually. Well, that might be worth looking into for our listeners. Um, why do you think... Why'd you go with this one instead of the Sky the original Skyloft theme? Uh, I don't know. I just like it better. I 
liked hearing it on the stage, and it just kind of stuck, I guess. Cool. Well, I know you've definitely got a lot more experience with Smash Splash 2 than you do with Skyward Sword. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still holding out hope that they will release Skyward Sword on the Switch or something in... Not necessarily an HD version, because it was already on the Wii U, but... Uh, you know, in an upgraded version where the motion controls are not a thing, like, at all. <laughs> um, I think a lot more people would probably play it, and it is a really cool game. It's got an in-depth story, it goes a lot of places, and, um, yeah. Skyward Sword. Yep. Oh, oh, I guess that brings it back to me. And I think I am going to go with my medley that I talked about a little bit earlier. And no, even though it's a medley, I'm not going to be playing anything from The Wind Waker. Haha, <laughs> get it? Because <laughs> medley, the little Rito girl, that's her name. And, and this is a medley because it's like a series of songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be playing uh, three portable village themes. The village isn't portable, but the game it's in is, so I guess in a way <laughs> the village is kind of portable. But from... Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, we're going to listen to Maybe Village. This is the original Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. Then we're going to listen to Horon Village from Oracle of Seasons, followed by Lina Village, which is the past theme of the town of Lina, from Oracle of Ages. And when we come back, we'll talk a little about these themes. And yeah, let, let's just listen to the songs now. <laughs> And you just heard a medley of three different themes. First, from Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, you heard Maybe Village, 
composed by Kozue Ishikawa, and this was released for the Game Boy in 1993. Second, you heard Horon Village from The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons, and Lina Village, The Past, from The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages. Both of these games were composed by Minako Adachi and Kyohiro Sada, and these were released for the Game Boy Color in 2001. Shukapau, do you know what is unique about Zelda Oracle of Ages and Zelda Oracle of Seasons, other than the fact that it's like two games that sort of like came out side by side? Like Pokemon? Um, no. These games were developed by a company other than Nintendo. They're the only mainline Zelda games to have uh, been so, I believe. Do you know who developed these games? It's a pretty well-known company. Not one you would usually associate with this sort of game. Uh, Possibly more with a... Rareware. Street fighting. Or oh, Capcom. Yeah, a jumping blue shooting robot. <laughs> yeah, Capcom developed these two games. And yeah, so before I say anything, which of those songs do you think you like the most? Um, Had you no. heard any of them before we came to this episode? Uh, no. Not even Maybe Village? Well, I mean, not before I... Like, yeah, the, not for you to the... Oh, interesting. You know, we actually own all three of these games. Huh. I've oh, on the Virtual I've downloaded console. them, yeah. They're on the Virtual Console on the uh, 3DS, so you could technically check them out at any time. I have checked out Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, played about an hour or two of each. Uh, didn't get too far, um, and I never did go back to them. They're um, not the best as far as like music goes it was actually kind of hard to find something i think pound for pound oracle of seasons has better music than oracle of ages which is interesting like they even sounded different didn't they not just the melody but the sound quality of that last one the oracle of ages one it was a little bit gritty there was kind of staticky i feel like it had what your grandpa might say it had too much gain on it that's what can cause that hissing sound when it gets a little bit too loud and I don't know if it's because they were trying to make it sound more symphonic with so many different parts in it, but the melody was still nice. But probably the least pleasant sounding as far as sound quality of anything we're going to be playing tonight. My favorite of these actually was the Horon Village theme, which is hard because I have, more, have a little bit more history with Maybe Village uh, because I have beaten uh, Link's Awakening and then I started it again recently. We still don't have the remake. I'm sure that we'll get it at some point, because I think that Lemon Boy and uh, the twins would like it a lot. Um, it's a it's a relatively short Zelda game compared to the console experiences, and even compared to these other two. But what is one thing that you noticed about the music in this medley? Hmm. It, it sounded a lot like Zelda's Lullaby. Yes. All three of them to an extent, but especially maybe Village and Horon Village. Um, had that sort of do 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 although the Maybe Village sort of inverted that part, um, and the Horon Village kept that, those same intervals, but then the next part, the do 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 that, almost that exact same melody was in, in both of those songs. Lina Village took some liberties with that. I feel like it might be a little bit closer in Lina City, which is the future version. Um, in Oracle of Seasons, as you can expect, one of the mechanics is that you can change the season in different areas, and that changes how you can access different places. In Oracle of Ages, you can actually change, like go forward and backward in time, sort of like Ocarina of Time. And I really wish that they had 
done like a trilogy because in Oracle of Seasons, Nehru, the goddess, actually incarnates as one of the characters. And Din... No, Din is in Oracle of Seasons. Nehru is in Oracle of Ages. But they didn't release a green game with Faror in it. I don't know what she would have been the Oracle of or what they would have called it, but it would just be really cool. And I wonder, I wonder if there were ever any fan games released like that. Uh, listeners, y'all can tell us in the in the comment section, but um, the re reason I kind of put these all together is I don't think any of these would have fit to be like the minute to two minute that we usually play, because these loops are really, really short. The Maybe Village and Horan Village each clock in in about 22 seconds. Um, the Lena Village one is the longest one, 25 seconds. But yeah, these are not very long loops, so yeah, there you go. That is my medley, but not the one from Wind Waker. <laughs> uh, but what have you got for us next shoot about um hmm. is it a town is it a village is it a city is it a domain is it something else entirely it's an island an island okay cool so i'm guessing this is something from the wind waker yes all right i am gonna guess based on what i know of you it's outside island yes <laughs> is it the original version or the HD version? They're different. It's one of the very few. Um, Outside Island and Windfall Island are the only ones that are slightly different in the HD version. Well, I'm going with the original. Okay. They're both really cool. The only difference, I think, is that they actually re-recorded them with real instruments in the HD version. Uh, so I almost picked the HD version, actually, so maybe I can layer that underneath here. Either way, though, man... What a classic. Um, I think maybe if you had opened up and played the first song of the night, this would have been a cool one to play since, you know, it's outset island. <laughs> mm -hmm. But enough talking. Let's get into it. Was Outset Island from 
Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, released in 2002 for the GameCube, and composed by Kenta Nagata, Hajime Wakai, Koji Kondo, and Toru Minigishi. Yeah, and you and I were talking a little bit before we came back. Uh, we actually spent some time on the Nintendo Wiki, where we get a lot of our composer information for Nintendo games, because they uh, break it down in a way that is really cool. Um, and so this song is not listed among the specific song credits for Hajime Wakai, Kenta Nagata, or Koji Kondo. So it would seem, by process of elimination, that Toru Minigishi was the composer for this one. But I'm not sure. Maybe they kind of workshopped it. Maybe they put it together. It's hard for me to know based on their styles, because I'm not as good of a reader of that as like the Supermarcado Bros are. But regardless, really, really great theme. I did find an interesting tidbit on Toru Minigishi's personal page on the Nintendo Wiki that, among his other influences, is uh, Alan Menken of Disney fame, whose music and style actually apparently were a pretty big influence on the music of The Wind Waker, which kind of makes sense. Um, it's a big, grand, sweeping adventure, and it's got some of the best Zelda music ever. Um, not pound for pound my favorite soundtrack, but it is just really delightful and everything. Everything. I was going to say it soars, but I guess that's more Skyward Sword. Everything sails. <laughs> <laughs> Outset Island. Uh, so, Chukapa, your song. Give us some of your words. Um, I never really got far in Wind Waker because I guess I'm, I don't know, just not really that big of a Zelda person. It just never really like appealed much to me, like you know, dungeons and puzzles. But yeah. for some reason, the, uh, the for some reason I like Pikmin better. <laughs> Even though it's basically the same thing. Eh, it's more like real time strategy and you know, delegating yeah. different things to people. The puzzles work differently, and yeah. except for Breath of the Wild, the Zelda controls can take a while to get used to because you don't really have like free range of movements, and it's a uh, it's like a puzzle, action, adventure, platformer, almost, in a lot of ways, because of some of the jumping in some of the games. But um, this one, though, is really, really fun. I am having a, a bit of fun with uh, Link to the Past. Maybe it's just the 3D Zelda games I don't like. <laughs> Maybe. If you like Link to the Past, then you should really, when you're done with that one, you should um, crack open a 3DS and play Link Between Worlds, because it's also really, really, really good. Um, I've, I've cracked a few 3DSs in my time. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, and a 2DS as well. Yeah. So, which, those are like <laughs> almost indestructible. Yeah, those are almost indestructible, so that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, that's alright though. You give me some stuff to tinker with. So, this is just, it's a really fun game. The, the art style in this one is kind of, um, was kind of divisive at, at first, but I really like it. I think it's it's beautiful. It ages really well. Uh, the HD remake is just gorgeous. That, that was the first time I beat this game, was on the HD remake. But, you know, we've actually been kind of dropping the ball a little bit because we haven't talked about a lot of these villages. Uh, Skyloft, of course, is, you know, the start-out point, but you also go back there a lot. It definitely is a village. It's almost like a floating city because it has, like, different districts. It's got the market district, the neighborhood district, and the temple area, and it's really cool. Um, I don't really know much at all about the villages in the Game Boy games, uh, except for maybe Village, uh, which is where Marin and Terran live. Um, Marin is the um, the one who sings the song. She is the, um, well, 
she's not the it's called Link's Awakening. Um, she's the one who's there when Link wakes up on the shore of Koholint Island. Uh, I was going to say she is the Wind Waker, but no, that's the wand in the Wind Waker, <laughs> which is a totally different game. Um, but uh, also, this is where um, you find the Chain Chomp Bow Wow, because there are Chain Chomps in this game, yep. and also Goombas, and Buzzy Beetles, and apparently, yeah, other Kirby. Mario stuff. And Kirby is in this game, and Wart from Mario 2. <laughs> yeah, that one's kind of crazy. Um, but then you get to Outset Island. And Outset Island is a really cool place, and it shows you all of the character. Like, this game really brought a lot of character to the characters in the game. And you got the little boy running around with the big, like, snot drip on his nose. Uh, of course, your sister, uh, Errol, is there. This is the first time Link has a sister. It's also the first time... It's not the first time Link has, like, a guardian or a parent figure because his uncle is there in Link to the Past. Um, and I guess the Great Deku Tree in Ocarina of Time. Other than that, though, on this one, Link actually has a parental figure, and you have some sort of inkling... <laughs> inkling. Um, <laughs> that Link had parents because he has a grandma. And so you still don't know what happened to your parents slash her, you know, kid and kid-in-law. Voldemort happened. That's a different series. It's a no. <laughs> the Wind Waker is not that kind of wand. <laughs> Although, wow. Uh, what house do you think Link would be in? Uh no. Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Yeah. I mean, Courage is like his whole thing. Yeah, so. Triforce of Courage. <laughs> <laughs> it's also where you, like, go to this old man's house and, like, train with him or whatever. Um, and really, really cool. I love the Wind Waker and really the whole series. Even though I've never played Phantom Hourglass, we should get that sometime so we can, like, own all the Zelda games. Yeah. Um, but uh, did play and loved Spirit Tracks um, so, so much. But Outside Island has a lot of really cool features to it. Ah, but, you know, I think next I am going to go to a theme that... I don't really know much about, but I'm playing it because it has a really, really cool sound to it. It reminds me of some other games. I'm going to see what it reminds you of. Um, uh, the composer for this one, though, is Ryo Nagamatsu, who was one of the later Zelda composers. Um, he most recently was the arranger for most of the music in, well, all of the music, I think, in the new Link's Awakening game. <laughs> um, but this one is not from that. This is from a 3DS game from 2015. The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, hmm. which has appeared on the show before. Prof. Jeff brought it way back in episode 1-11 when we played the water theme. I have not heard much at all about this game. I don't really know anything about it. Um, it was, again, pretty divisive when it came out. It's not a traditional Zelda game, hardly at all. It almost like relies on multiplayer, and I don't know that... I think that's maybe the reason I haven't picked it up. But the music, as with a lot of Ryo Nagamatsu stuff, is really, really, really cool. And this track, everywhere that I saw it, is simply called Village.
And that was Village from The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, composed by Ryo Nagamatsu. Shukapau, what did you think of that? That was quite good. It's really, really pretty. And as you pointed out, uh, the lead instrument there is an accordion, uh, accompanied very nicely by the mandolin. And it is in 3-4 time, uh, waltz time. And you said that always reminds you of what game? Uh, Hollow Knight. The accordion in the um, the Grim Troop tent. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, so to me, this actually reminds me of a very specific area in another 3DS game. And that is uh, the Port Puerto area ah. of Fantasy Life. I was definitely getting some Fantasy Life vibes here. But for me, that mandolin just stole the show. Really, really, really nicely done. Ryo Nagamatsu is just... It's just a star. Um, love his music so much. But I don't really have a whole lot to say, because like I said, haven't played this game, don't know much about it. I would be really interested for anybody who has played it. Um, you know, tell me your thoughts, because this is kind of a melancholy sound, more so than a lot of the other villages, um, village music that I heard when I was listening to this episode. There are a lot of village themes out there. I was actually wrong. Uh, Spirit Tracks has a lot of villages, but I don't think it has the most. It also very narrowly missed my playlist tonight. I don't know if you have anything from Spirit Tracks, but I I did have some on my long list, but I ended up cutting them for what I have here. Um, almost picked something from Spirit Tracks over this one, uh, but I wanted to include it because it's really, really good. And, I mean, the show is called What Shoot, Kapow? Very good music. Which is what we have to play. Um, Lena Village past notwithstanding. <laughs> um, but let me see. I was gonna... Oh, Breath of the Wild actually has the most village themes, especially if you count the day and night variations um, and all of the different variations of, well, the song that I'll be playing last tonight. But I'm not quite there yet. I actually have another song I'm going to play before that, and you also have two songs that you're going to play before I get to that one. So... What is going to be your next song of the show? There's not a Jeopardy theme in Zelda, but maybe I should play like the shooting gallery theme from Ocarina of Time under your deciding. <laughs> you know, I just thought about it. This one is actually fun because it's kind of like we're taking a road trip and we're like visiting different villages along <laughs> the way. <laughs> Although... For these, it would also be like a, a sky and sea trip. <laughs> and possibly a train trip, if you have anything from Spirit Tracks. <laughs> but what are you going to play for real? Uh, Alright. Uh, from Four Swords Adventures, this is Village of the Blue Maiden.
that was Village of the Blue Maiden from The Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures. And what other information do you have about this game? Um, there's just four of them. <laughs> I guess it'll be in the show notes, the composer. Oh. And the year and oh, everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this game was released in 2004 for the GameCube, apparently, is what mm-hmm. I... Okay. Uh, and composed by Koji Kondo. Really? Koji Kondo? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Four Swords was on the Game Boy Advance, and it was kind of a... It wasn't like a full-on game. This one is, though... And it was unique because you could either play like on screen with the four different links, or you could link up um, Game Boy Advances and use them as the GameCube controllers, which you could also do just in general. But you could control your own link on the Game Boy Advance, and there were things that like only you could see on your screen, and it was really cool. I never actually played it that way because I didn't play this until much much later on, but. Um, this was really cool. I think I actually might have gotten this from Gamefly way back in the day, because I don't remember ever owning it, but I do distinctly remember playing it and beating it. Um, this game has one of the most powerful Ganons, according to, um, Zeltic, I think, is the channel that, like, ranks how powerful the different iterations are. Um, but I don't remember a whole lot about this game. It had a lot of, uh, things, elements borrowed from Link to the Past, and I actually looked some stuff up on the wiki, but we're kind of dancing around something here. Um, what is this song? Um, Village of the Blue Maiden. But what is it really? Do, 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 Kakariko do. Village. <laughs> it's Kakariko Village. So yeah, we are hearing this tune tonight, uh, which is super fitting. It almost would have been a shame to have a Zelda Villages theme without... Uh, um, episode without having this theme in it. But this is also apparently, as we discovered, one of two different versions of this song that plays in this town before or after solving some kind of mysterious riddle that I don't remember what it is and we couldn't really find anything about it. The but mysterious riddle. the earlier edition of this is much darker and gloomier sounding and you actually compared it to what game? Yeah, Evangelizui. Yeah. Um, like some of the, the grunty themes, like the the Grunty's Bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely had some similar in- instrumentation there. This is also, this song is the only song from this game that has also been featured in Super Smash Bros. Ah. I, oh, yeah, I, I remembered seeing the Smash Bros. version, and it was exactly the same <laughs> as yeah. the normal one. Yes. Um, but, yeah, this was really, really cool, and... Like I said, glad we got to play a Kakariko Village theme on this episode. Um, in a future episode, you may very well hear the before Riddle Solved version of the theme, and also the Smash Bros. theme, if it's, you know, got any differences at all, which sounds like it doesn't from what Chukapau said. But for now, we are going to move on to yet another Zelda game that was released on the GameCube, although it was also released on the Wii. What game am I talking about, Shukapau? It was actually released almost simultaneously on the GameCube and the Wii. It was the last Zelda GameCube game, and the first Zelda Wii game was actually a Wii launch title. Sounds like you're describing Breath of the Wild, but like that was Wii U and Switch. Yeah. 
It's actually late 2000s, but um, it was actually released a couple of months earlier on the Wii than it was on the GameCube, interestingly enough. Also interestingly, the Wii version is mirror image flipped from the GameCube version because it featured motion control, and the creators thought it would be weird to have a left-handed link that you controlled with your right hand, and most people are right-handed. So, I am talking about The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Ah, I didn't know that one was on GameCube. Was, yeah. Uh, and fantastic music in this game. Love it so much. This one might be, pound for pound, my favorite Zelda soundtrack. It's really, really great music. Several different village and area themes. I really like the version of Kakariko Village, um, as everybody heard on our episode with Naomi a few weeks ago. I also love the Hidden Village theme. But I'm going to be playing the first village that you encounter. This is the village that Link lives in, or rather right outside of. And I love, love the sound of this. It's so homey and nostalgic, and it's just, it's got a very nice feel to it like a lot of the songs that we're playing tonight. From Twilight Princess, this is Ordon Village. was Ordon Village from The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. This game also has multiple composers like the, some of the other ones we've mentioned tonight. This song in particular was composed, for sure, this time, by Toru Minigishi. <laughs> Man, I love this song. I love that wood flute and that, that sort of that like plucked instrument. The and I think there's an oboe in there, pretty sure. Playing that theme that you said reminded you of Kirby. <laughs> but this is such a cool, cool song. And even though you spend way too much time in this village at the beginning of the game, because <laughs> the intro in this game stretches on yeah. notoriously long. I've heard that. <laughs> it's it's This is just such a nice theme. Now this is another one. The characters in Twilight Princess, to me, look really, really weird and kind of creepy. But when you get over that initial like aesthetic difference because I think they were trying to go kind of dark to move away from Wind Waker, because there was a little backlash there. 
When you get past that aesthetic thing, the characters really still have a lot of charm, and they feel more real. Like, they feel like more like real people than they almost ever have in Zelda. And you really come to care for a lot of the characters, and everyone in Orden Village, it just... It feels like a real place, and I like it a lot. This is definitely... This song definitely has a hometown kind of feel to it. Twilight Princess, great game. If you haven't played it, uh, from what I've heard, pick up the HD version. It seems to be the best way to do it. But I think that's going to do it for me on this particular track. What do you have next, Shukapow? You have three songs left. Mm, next up... I'm going to go with Rito Village Night from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. was Dragon Roost Island from The Legend of Zelda Wind Wait No. <laughs> that was Rito Village Night from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, released in 2017, I believe, um, for the Wii U and Switch, and composed by Monaka Ka- Karaoka? Karaoka, Yasuaki Iwata, and Hajime Wakai. Yes. And, Very uh, similar situation to the one that we had with Twilight Princess. Yes. And Hajime Wakai, um, I think was like the sound director on this one, but also did some of the composition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember who arranged this, but um, you know what? When we come back from my next song, we'll talk a little about um, Breath of the Wild and 
this composition and everything. But we played Dragon Roost Island a while back with Naomi on the show because she said it's her favorite Zelda theme ever. Why did you go with the nighttime theme? I don't know. I think it's just a lot more calming and peaceful, and I just like it more. I agree. The daytime theme is okay, but it's got some like tweets in it and stuff, um, some of the sound effects, and the accordion and, and mandolin actually in that one are not uh, as soothing as they are in the village theme from Triforce Heroes. Um, it's a nice theme. You can't really do Dragon Roost Island wrong, <laughs> but this is really, really cool. I like the piano and the acoustic guitar. It's a very bare um, composition, and... You know, the music in Breath of the Wild was kind of panned at first because it didn't have some of the big, rousing, adventurous themes that the Zelda series is known for. But I still maintain that that really fits in this world. Um, when everything is a lot more spare, there's a lot more wide-open space. and But this theme is unique in that I, I think with the exception possibly of Zora's Domain, this is the only time that an older Zelda theme is reused for a village theme. I could have gone with a lot of different songs from this game. Um, Hateno Village is one of my favorites, uh, the daytime theme especially. Laurel and Village, both daytime and nighttime, are just really beautiful and calming uh, with those steel drums. Um, I like steel drums. And the Zora's Domain theme, as I said, is always beautiful. But I'm really glad you went with this one, because you get to kind of do two at once on this. Why do you think Dragon Roost Island fits for the Rito in Breath of the Wild. I don't know, I guess because the Rito live on Dragon Roost Island. Thematically, yes, but I also feel like the music fits the Rito. There's something I think sort of proud about the Dragon Roost Island theme. To me, that fits especially with the character of like Teva and Rivali because they're very daring and they like you know they're, they're soaring and um, they've got a little bit of an attitude as well <laughs> and I feel like Dragon Roost Island kind of fits that it almost fits them more than it does Medley even though she's the one you associate with Dragon Roost Island and Wind Waker not the Medley I played earlier in the night from the Game Boy songs um, but <laughs> yeah so but I didn't pick any of those songs from Breath of the Wild Instead, I picked my favorite song from Breath of the Wild, and, well, my favorite village theme. The Hyrule Castle theme is my favorite song, but I think this is probably my second favorite song from Breath of the Wild, and it's one of my favorite Zelda Village themes ever. It's going to take up two different um, of my slots, so this is going to be my last track of the show, because it's kind of long, but I want to play several different iterations of it, because this theme evolves as you go throughout the game. Shugapow, do you know what theme I'm talking about? It's a village theme that evolves as you go through the game. Like grows and adds more parts. Ah, uh, Terrytown. Terrytown, yes. From Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, this is Terrytown.
was Terrytown from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, released for the Wii U and Switch in 2017, and this song was composed by Yasuaki Iwata, who also did the arrangement of Dragon Roost Island for the Rito Village music in this game. Hmm. Dragon Roost Island was originally composed by Kenta Nagata. So, Yasuaki Iwata actually did quite a bit of the music in Breath of the Wild, uh, was responsible for several of the village themes I saw, and did a really, really, really great job. I love this theme, and I love the whole quest that it's associated with. Uh, so the first version of the theme that everyone heard is how Terrytown sounds at the beginning, and the second is how it all sounds after the wedding takes place toward the end of the quest. I'm not going to get into the nuances here because I really think it's something that everyone should experience for themselves. But basically, um, there is a really conspicuous peninsula sticking out onto a lake near one of the fairy fountains in the Akala region, the farthest uh, northeasternmost region in the game. I first went there, realized there was a goddess statue there, inexplicably, like for some reason, but there was nothing else there at the time. And then I went back uh, to Hateno Village, and I finished paying for my house. And around that time, one of the carpenters, whose name I believe is Hudson, decided to leave, and um, he said he's going to the Alcala region. So later on, I happened to find him on this peninsula, um, digging into some rocks, and he says he's going to build a town there, and he needs some wood. You bring him some wood, and then he says, I could really use somebody here who could, like, you know, break up these rocks faster so I could focus on, like, building things. Uh, maybe somebody like a Goron. But here's the thing. In this town that I'm building, everybody's name has to end in Sun, like my name. So, uh, yeah, if you happen to find a Goron in your travels, and their name ends in Sun, then let them come here. And <laughs> it kind of goes from there. You lead people to the town, or tell people about the town, and then go get wood, 
and gradually this town just like builds up in the middle of the Akala region and this wilderness, which is really cool because Shukapau, what is like the whole thing with Breath of the Wild? What has happened in this game? Um, like Ganon was there, yeah, and he like killed everything. Yeah, Ganon basically won. Like this game starts out after Ganon wins, <laughs> and. Yeah, so everything is destroyy and empty. Like like Hyrule is really empty, even though there is a lot of stuff there. And so it's really cool that there's this new place that like rises up and the ceremony, the wedding that takes place there is really, really cool. And what's really cool is how this is also reflected in the music. So Shukapau, tell us a little bit about this song and how the music evolves as this side quest uh, sort of develops. Uh, well, the, the music also sort of gets, it, it, it gets, like, different instruments and parts from, like, the different, the different citizens that live there. Yeah. So when the Gorons get there, they add your favorite instrument. The trombone. Well, it's not my favorite instrument. I have, I have trumpet. I mean, I mean, your favorite of the, of this song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a really cool, like like a blatty trombone that's like really jazzy sounding um and then when the gerudo gets there they add in that sort of stringed uh instrument sounds kind of like a guitar when the rito gets there um uh, it adds in a flute and a little bit of a motif from dragon roost island and when the zora gets there it actually layers in these like um like skin drums and a little bit of harp in the background like all throughout And then after the wedding takes place, you actually get some motifs from Hatino Village mixed in. And it's just really, 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 really cool. If you want to hear like the different iterations of each one of these, I will have them in the playlist. Uh, at, at this point in the playlist, when you're going down, you can actually listen to each individual version of the song. Um, and almost all the videos in my playlists uh, I just borrow from other people's channels I don't actually upload my own music to it um, but so, uh, and in that way I kind of give credit to those playlisters so definitely go and check out their other stuff um, in a lot of ways in a lot of ways our YouTube channel I like to think of as kind of a portal to other areas in the white world of VGM so um, yeah that's that is Terrytown and whoo That's my last track of the night because it did go kind of long. I played two different versions of it for you. Shukapau, what have you got next? Next up, I am going to be playing Murkay Island from The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass.
was Murkay Island from The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass, released in 2007 for the Nintendo DS and composed by Toru Minigishi and Kenta Nagata. Yay. <laughs> that was really cool. Very nice little track. And I know absolutely nothing about Phantom Hourglass. Um, how do you know about this game? What's your experience with it? Chug Conroy. <laughs> Alright, tell us the story. Um... I guess it's just Chugga Conroy, let's play this game. Do you have any, like, like special stories about it? Like, why why it was special to him or anything? I think you've shared uh, some stuff like that on the show before. Or did he just play this because he wanted to? I guess, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So what happens in Phantom Hourglass? Um, well, it happens... Uh, it takes place right after Wind Waker, so you're, like, adventuring around with Tetra... Okay. It was that, you know, the Zelda. <laughs> Zelda in disguise, the pirate princess, yes. Sheik. Man, Tetra would be cool in Smash. Yeah. Uh, man, if they add Toon Zelda, people would be salty. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool, though. I'd like that. Um, but yeah, so you're traveling around with Tetra, and what's the point of the game? Um, Do you remember? I guess just, like... To get Tetra back, I guess. So you you adventure around with this, this dude named Linebeck. Yep. I always pronounce it Lenebeck in my head, but yeah, I know who you mean. His descendant is also in Spirit Tracks. Oh. And I think that you encounter him in The Wind Waker as well. That, you know, that series kind of all evolved from each other. But yeah, this is one of the rare direct sequels. Uh, Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link is the direct sequel to The Legend of Zelda. Uh, Phantom Hourglass is the direct sequel to this, Ocar uh, to Wind Waker. Ocarina of Time, its direct sequel of sorts, at least, is Majora's Mask. Um, although it's really more of a spin-off than a sequel, that, because it kind of takes place in a totally new area, sort of like Link's Awakening is to Link to the Past. I think it's also been said that the Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons um, links are the same link as in Link to the Past, but I might be wrong about that. Um... But yeah, not very many, like, direct, direct sequels. Like Breath of the Wild 2, which we're still waiting for. <laughs> like, any word of at all. But it's going to have pretty cool village music. You know what game I did not check out at all for tonight's playlist? <clears throat> Age of Calamity. I wonder what kind of, like, battles take place in villages in Age of Calamity. I've heard it's really cool because you can go around in, like, all the ruins in Breath of the Wild. You can actually, like, see what was standing there at the time of Age of Calamity. And so that's pretty cool. Um, Lemon Boy is still working his way through that game. He got it for Christmas, and he's trying to convince me to play it, and I just I don't have a lot of time, but I want to. I just... Yeah, Dojin games are not like my super my style. They get kind of old for me really fast. But the the Zelda ones I know they are really well done. Um, and Ed Wilson of Beach Embassy has put a lot of time into these. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a try. But yeah. So anything else about Phantom Hourglass? Do you remember what the Phantom Hourglass is or what it does? Oh yeah, it's like the the little item that uh, you can use to. So, like, there's this temple, I think it was on Merkay Island, where you, like, go down into it, and mm -hmm. you have to, you gather sands for the Phantom Hourglass over time, and, like... <laughs> you're hilarious. Oh, sand is a... Gotcha, okay, sorry. 
<laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, so, the more you do the, the, um, yeah, the more you do it, uh, the longer you can be in the, the temple. Okay. Oh, so it's sort of like one of those endurance temples where you can, like, go down further and further? And yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I remember seeing that on a map that I found earlier of Merkay Island. So th- there, this is like an actual village, like people live there and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Is it kind of like a hub world for this place, or I guess sort of side quest area? Okay. Cool. Maybe I'll have to check this out sometime. We really should get this game so that we we have all of the Zelda games. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I actually also need to get Spirit Tracks back for that. But I think both of these are available on the Wii U Virtual Console, so maybe sometime. That'd be cool. Anyway, uh, oh, I don't have another song next. So actually, what are you going to be playing for your last song of the night? Um, I'm going to be playing Maybe Village again. Wait, but we already did Maybe Village. What? Switch version. Oh, the 2019 version. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, yeah, we already discussed that this is a composed by Kozue Ishikawa. Do you know who did the arrangement? For this. Who was musically responsible for The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening? No. He's somebody who you mentioned to me today because we listened to a song and you said it sounds like his work. Now I don't remember what song you were talking about. Uh, starts with an R. Last name starts with an N. Ryo Nagamatsu. Yay! He got it. Yes, wait, very that, good. That was... Wait, so... Yeah. I, I said... That I thought this maybe village sounds like. No, we were talking about something else earlier. It was the, the Bowser's Castle theme. Oh yeah, Bowser's Castle um, from Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't remember if Nagamatsu worked on Odyssey. I'll have to look at that because I'm curious. Anyway, so uh, for the second time tonight, and hey, now you can like compare them. We're going to be playing Maybe Village from The Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening, the remake for the Nintendo Switch in 2019.
right. That was Maybe Village from The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Nintendo Switch. Released in 2019, I believe. Very, very nice. And as we discussed, arranged by Ryo Nagamatsu. Yes. Who did not compose on Super Mario Odyssey, for a quick sidebar here. Uh, Mario Odyssey was composed by Shiho Fuji, Naoto Kubo, and Koji Kondo. And Koji Kondo is actually the one who composed the Bowser's Castle, Bowser's Kingdom music. So I guess that's a uh, pretty high praise for Ryo Nagamatsu that you said his work sounded like something by Koji Kondo. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good stuff. So, want to mention here that uh, we earlier in the night we mentioned that Village of the Blue Maiden was done by Koji Kondo, and I sounded a little bit surprised uh, because I didn't think Kondo worked on that. Of course, this is because the Village of the Blue Maiden is based on the Kakariko Village theme, which was written by Koji Kondo, but I do want to give a shout-out here to Asuka Hayazaki, who at the time was named Asuka Oda before she got married, because she was the one who arranged that theme for... Four Swords Adventures. But now let's come back to this, because this was very nice. Why do you think this one stuck out to you so much, of the other Zelda music you could have picked? I don't know. It just... I don't know, it was just nice and relaxing, and I liked it. How do you compare it to the original one? Um... I don't know, I guess it just uses more instruments, goes more places. It definitely does that. Yeah, this one... He because it's not a very long theme as we discussed it's like a 22 second loop but Nagamatsu actually he keeps it going and a lot of these shorter loops can come back and you can listen to them for a while they don't get too old but this was really really nice I think that I've heard some of the rest of the soundtrack and Nagamatsu I think really kept the charm of the original soundtrack when he adapted it for this so uh, very nice. Hats off to Ryo Nagamatsu for this work. And hats off to you, good listeners, for sticking with us for another episode of Very Good Music, of EGM podcast. We have had a blast this season, and it's not quite over yet. Shukapow, next time our listeners hear us, we're going to be presenting them with part one of our season finale. Why don't you tell them a little about what they can expect? What are you doing? What? I asked you a question. What? 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 what what's going on? Mega Man X. That is right. Yeah. What? What a way to. Uh, what a way to present them with that. That was. Yeah. That was. That was really sparky there. Yep. Man. Drill. <laughs> yeah, and who's going to be joining us? As if we haven't been talking about it for the last, like, couple of weeks. Brain part. Ah, uh, 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 Yeah, the... Canada man. SNES thrash master himself. Yeah, we have, we have some Canadian connections here, and one of our uh, patrons is also a Canada man. You remember who? The one that you named your Lapras after? Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're Lapras, because when, when they go Dynamax, they have, like, they turn into a cruise ship that's playing music or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, very cool stuff. Oh, and you know what? Mentioning, speaking of Ryan, we can talk about some of the stuff we've been up to lately. Um, 
I haven't been up to too much. Been doing a lot of editing. Doing a lot of editing. Uh, been playing some games. I uh, opened up some retro stuff. Like, um, did play Reknum finally, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was okay. Music is nice. The game could be fun. It, it gets really frustrating in some places because the levels are a little bit longer than I'm used to, and in these kinds of games, and there's no checkpoints, so that's, that's lame. Um, but it's kind of fun, and the story is charming. But then I played Odalis, which is like kind of a Castlevania clone, and the music in that one is really fun. The game handles very nicely, and I would definitely recommend that. O-D-A-L-L-U-S. should be pretty cheap on the eShop. And yeah, I've been playing some other stuff. You have been up to some things, though. Uh, since the last time our listeners have heard us, you have released something pretty special on your... Flat.io page. Yeah. That's uh, related to Ring for Smash. Yeah, tell Follow. us a little about that. I reached 50 followers, and I'm working on my 50 follower special, which is also going to be my 150th piece. Yeah. Whoa! We can leave that a mystery for now, if you want to. Yep. But what was your 149th piece? It was either... I'm not, I'm not sure if it was... I'm pretty sure it was. Anyway. Uh, I released my second big orchestral composition... It has like ten instruments, and it's probably over a hundred and fifty measures. It's it's very obviously inspired by Super Mario Galaxy, which yeah. it's it's a tough act to follow. There's some really great music in there, and I am of course I'm biased, but you can ask Shuka Pao. Um, I also can be a little bit overly critical because it's my child, <laughs> but. Um, I was genuinely impressed with this composition. I thought it was very good, and uh, you've definitely got an ear for this kind of thing. Uh, however, recently we have also taken some steps to give you perhaps some more practical knowledge of music with the instrument that I think is probably the composer's best friend when it comes to learning more the mandolin about how music works. <laughs> yeah, he's taking mandolin lessons. <laughs> yeah. Mandalorian. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, what did you have tonight for the first time? Piano lessons. Yeah, piano Yay. lesson. And she met your teacher. She's really nice. And you played some Star Wars stuff. And I think she was impressed because you basically cite reddits and... Um, I was frankly pretty impressed too. But yeah, I think that you're going to have fun. It's going to be a good time and can't wait to see where it goes. So yeah, that's what we've been up to gamers. What have you all been up to? Let us know in the comments. Let us know what you thought about these tracks and what your favorite one was for the evening. A lot of good stuff here. And definitely come back and check us out for our two-part season finale featuring the music of Mega Man X and Mega Man X 3. And speaking of threes, after that, in March, we are starting our third season. And if you would like to know how it's going to go and some of what you're going to be in for in season three, you can join our Patreon, because I have placed kind of a list and a whole calendar of stuff, and I've also placed up a poll that I think might actually be closed by now, by the time you're hearing this. Maybe not, though. Maybe by the end of January. I think I might have extended, extended it to the end of January. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, if you would like to vote for some of our open spots, then go in, vote, let us know what you think. And we're excited to get into that and see where this spring takes us. Hopefully spring and summer of 2021 are a little bit more enjoyable than they were of 2020. So, yeah. 
2020 certainly did win in the worst years of my lifetime contest. Aha, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. But it was after February that everything kind of hit the fan, right around the time when we started this podcast. Oh no, we didn't cause this, did we? Is Corona spread by VGM? Didn't it? Didn't it? What, what, didn't oh yeah, it technically like it started though. in like December of 2019. Yeah, that's right. It, it wasn't us. We're off the hook. <laughs> okay, anywho, all joking aside, we hope everyone is staying safe and staying healthy. Um, you know, continue to follow the guidelines, monitor the situation. Just because it's a new year and just because we've had some... Uh, seat changes in some of our offices in the country does not mean everything magically goes back to normal. We do have to continue to work together and continue to support each other and just, um, you know, be decent people in general. In fact, everyone is failing. That's not a, you know what? That's not a bad note to end on. We love you gamers. Thanks for sticking around. We will see you next time. Not next week because we're not a weekly show just yet. But in the meantime, play very good games, be very good people, and keep listening to very good music. This is like the horse race, Macarino time. Yeah. But but it's got a lot more to it. <laughs> oh, what was that? What arrangement was that? Save a gunner. EU version. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Save a gunner. Thanks to Steve Gunner for definitely sponsoring this podcast. Definitely. Steve Gunner, we're like his favorite podcast ever. Um, it's them, their favorite podcast ever. They, they, they say it all the time. <laughs> yeah, go, totally. I'm not going to tell you which video, so go and listen to all of them so you can figure out where he plugs our show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. But what are you going to play for real? Released in 2002 for the GameCube. And composed by Kenta Nagata, Hajime Wakai, Hajime Wakai. Um, it's always so hard to decide. <laughs> uh, actually, I have eight tracks. I have one as a back, uh, uh, a backup. That's a backup. Good yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> alternate. Yes. And you actually compared it to what game? I I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, Banjo Kazooie. So Shukapau, tell us a little bit about this song and how the music evolves as this side quest uh, sort of goes on and blink. I can't. It's, I don't know what I'm saying. As this side quest was the arranger for most of the music in, well, all of the music, I think, in the new Wind Waker. There, I did it again. The new Link's Awakening. Tell us a little bit, Shukapau. I think I called you by your real name a second ago. Hmm. I'll just sub in something here. (laughs) And that was...
uh, released in 2000, the year, <laughs> it sounds weird to say, <laughs> released in the year 2000 for the GameCube and composed by Koji Kondo and Toru Minagishi. Jorah's Mask wasn't released for the GameCube. It was not. <laughs> I think I brain farted. <laughs> the GameCube also wasn't out in 2000. <laughs> yeah, uh, wait. So this was the direct sequel to Ocarina of Time, which was released on the... N64. There we go, yeah. <laughs> ah, That's okay. all right. Um, 